I'm Pastor Brian Paulson, and this is The Message. Thank you for listening here in Libertyville, in Lake County, or all around the world. Center your heart now with the prayer for illumination, listen deeply to Holy Scripture, and get ready for God to deliver a word to you through the message by our Associate Pastor, the Reverend Amy Heinrich. We will now have our prayer for illumination. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that, being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to know the things that pertain to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. amen. So our first scripture reading today is from Psalm 100. This Psalm is one of the most beloved in scripture. It is an invitation to thanksgiving and exuberant joy. It is a celebration that God reigns over all and not the worldly powers that seek to hurt or destroy. This is a fitting text for today, a Reign of Christ Sunday, that marks the completion of all liturgical seasons in the Christian year. So our reading Psalm 100. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is God. He made us, we belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Enter his gates with thanks, enter his courtyards with praise. Thank him, bless his name, because the Lord is good. His loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. This is the end of our first reading of scripture today. May God put this reading to our use. Our second scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. So it's a little longer scripture reading. On the same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. Then the one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as a woman said. They didn't see him. 
Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all the prophets had talked about. Wasn't it necessary that Christ to offer these things and then enter into his own glory? Then he interrupted them and interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. Then they said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, and when he explained the scriptures to us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and the companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus made known to them that he had broken the bread. This is a word of God. Well, our follow me focus for today is gather. We are entering into a whole theme on worship. And of course, the beginning impulse of worship is to gather. And how befitting, as we have all just gathered with family and friends for our Thanksgiving celebrations, there is no better way to experience love than through sharing a home-cooked meal of favorite foods, the grace around the dinner table, perhaps a crackling fire, a football game, laughter and maybe some tears, festivities, if you're like my family, there's lots of toasting, sharing stories and memories. There's absolutely no way we could experience the richness and depth of our Thanksgiving traditions virtually. There would be no savory aromas, no tasting the turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberries, sweet potatoes, green beans, Brussels sprouts, corn and pumpkin pie, no warm hands to hold during the grace. No sound of the clinking on the wine glass before somebody stands to make a toast. No hugs of greeting hello and goodbye. No ability to read the deeper facial expressions and the energy in the room. Thanksgiving is a sensory, embodied, holistic experience that requires gathering together in person physically. It is the same way as Aaron said to our children for our family of faith. Although the pandemic has given us a gift of high quality live streaming and YouTube videoed worship for those of you who are at home or who live with ongoing health concerns, the fullest expression and dimension of worship can only be experienced in person, physically. God calls us to gather together as the people of God. 
We are strengthened by one another's company. We feel that sense of belonging to a purpose bigger than ourselves. We realize we're not alone. Our beloved Christian community lightens our burdens and enhances our blessings. Worship is multidimensional, sensory, embodied experience. Our Judeo-Christian tradition is deeply incarnational. Right from the very beginning in Genesis, God created human beings in God's own image, the imago dei. God said that every body that was created and imbued with that breath of life is holy. And in the Gospel of John, we hear that the Word too became flesh and dwelt among us. The fact that God chose to become a body in the world reminds us of the sanctity of every body. Every time we gather together to hear God's Word, that Word can become flesh in us when we allow the word to dwell within us and be lived out through us. Think of all the ways we literally express our worship in and through our bodies. We bow our heads and we close our eyes in prayer. We stand to affirm our faith. We sing and we sway to the music and we clap our hands to the beat. Our choirs and our musicians move their bodies to make sacred music. And sometimes it's very physical, like the youth bells, performance of Coldplay's Viva La Vida. Remember that? Amazing. We pass the peace one to another. We walk forward to receive communion by intinction, and we eat and drink. We are splashed with water when we renew our baptism. We place our offering in a plate. We are anointed with oil and blessed at the first light service. We receive ashes on our foreheads or on our hands at Ash Wednesday. We have a nail pressed into our palms on Good Friday. We soon will be lighting Advent candles. We pour water into the font with our words of forgiveness. We lay hands on heads and shoulders when we ordain. We are moved emotionally and it is expressed physically with laughter, tears, gasps, smiles, ponderous reflections. Worship is physical. Showing up in person really matters. Not only is it the best way to experience the fullness of worship, each and every single one of you matters to all the rest of us. As one of the children said in the, in the um, children's message, it is literally the best way to stay in touch with one another. Did you know that 80% of communication is nonverbal? Most of what is communicated is through facial expressions or body language. 
Our gathering around the word and sacraments, prayer and fellowship, form us together as Christ's body in the life of the world. Our gatherings confirm God's love of material creation and how we in turn care for one another's bodily selves and all of creation. This means being concerned about those whose bodily needs are neglected, violated, wounded, or injured. This means wanting every body to be safe, secure, with all of their basic physical needs met. This means caring for the sacredness of God's creation, the earth, water, air, and all the creatures who call this precious planet home. In our text for today from the Gospel of Luke, we heard the story of two disciples encountering the risen Christ as they are walking along the road to a village called Emmaus. The very afternoon of the day of the resurrection. In other words, Easter. As the two are walking, they are joined by a third person, which is Jesus. But they don't recognize him. What follows in this dramatic story are four acts that reflect the four movements of our corporate worship. First, they gather. They gather on the road. And there were two of them gathered there, Aaron, and Christ was in their midst. And the second thing is they hear the scriptures interpreted for them. Next, they break bread together. Finally, they are sent out. Gather Hear scripture, break bread, sent out. They returned to Jerusalem to share the good news of their encounter with the risen Christ. It is interesting and understandable to me that the disciples do not recognize Jesus at first. They had just experienced a trauma. They are numb. They are bewildered. They witnessed the horror of their beloved Rabunai, teacher in Hebrew, being crucified in the most excruciating manner. Most likely they were consumed in grief and in disbelief with the women's account that the tomb was empty. How can this be? They must have been verbally processing, trying to get their minds and hearts around the horror, the wonder, the astonishment of it all. They're talking to each other. What are we going to do next without our faithful leader? None of us functions at our best when we're going through a crisis. I will never forget my inability to process when I was going through a crisis. Shortly after Max and Ian were born, I thought Rob was having a massive heart attack. Yes, all of the symptoms mimicked a heart attack. Rob passed out on the bed and said, call 911. That's the last thing I heard. 
And I called 911. I was shaking and I was panicking at the thought of being a premature widow with two baby boy twins. The police officer on the other end of the phone kept saying, ma'am, 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 what is your address? We can't come and help you if we don't have your address. What is your address? I mean, I am telling you, I had to garner every inner resource just to get out 1357 Granger Avenue, Ann Arbor. I could hardly remember my address. I was in shock. So, now today, we laugh as we have discovered that esophageal reflux or just indigestion was the cause of Rob's acute pain chest. <laughs> How did Jesus break through their pain chest, their heartache, their shock? How did he get their attention and help them recognize who he was? Some clarity and understanding of Jesus' resurrection begins to happen with Jesus talking to them and interpreting the prophetic scripture that the Christ would have to suffer these things and then enter into glory. They still don't know who he is. Their eyes are not open to recognize him until he takes the bread and blesses it and breaks it and shares it with them. These are all the same gestures we do every time we share communion. We take the bread, we bless it, we break it, we share it. This was an experience of communion, and it reminded them of the Last Supper, and their eyes were opened. This story is historically mysterious. And it may be best to understand it as a truth-filled allegory. Scholars don't know of any archaeological evidence of the village of Emmaus. And by not knowing specifically where Emmaus was, this can be anywhere. Any road can be that road. Furthermore, Cleopas is named only here in this story, never mentioned again in Luke, Acts, or any other place in the New Testament writings. But the name Cleopas means vision of glory, which is what Cleopas witnessed. A vision of glory in the resurrected Christ. The other disciple is also unnamed. And so, any one of us can be one of these disciples who encounter the risen Christ on any road in our lives and witness a vision of glory. It is clear that we all recognize and experience Christ's presence through communion and through the gathered community. Being together physically Sitting and eating with others was so important to Jesus. Jesus eats with poor and excluded people and rich religious leaders. 
He says it shows God's love when people cross boundaries and eat together. And Jesus institutes the practice of eating together for his future disciples, saying that when we eat together, we will remember the way God has given us the gift of life and love. Before his death and after his resurrection, Jesus used gathering for meals to eat together as a way to demonstrate God loves, forgives, and welcomes all to the table of grace. Thus, Luke makes it clear that we cannot experience God's love unless we are in communion with one another. Like Jesus, we are to live out the beloved community by making sure all are invited and welcomed and fed. The resurrected Christ is recognized and known through the gathered community that shows hospitality, acceptance, and forgiveness for all God's beloved. We cannot live out Christian discipleship alone. We are called together and continue to draw the circle of family larger and larger. The notion of individualism and independence, which has been so popular in the American culture, is an illusion. It's a farce. None of us could live even one day without being supported by the sacredness of the web of life. There is a Bantu term, which I love, called Ubuntu. It means, I am because we are. This is what Christ wants us to open our eyes to and live out. This is the source of our deep gratitude, recognizing that our lives are sustained, nourished, and cared for by the grace of God, the beneficence of the creation, the goodness of countless people who provide for our needs. Ubuntu also means humanity towards others. As we recognize that I am because we are, we embody such humanity towards others. This recognition and commissioning is the heartbeat of our worship life together. The rhythm of worship is gathering and scattering. We gather around God's word and sacraments that nourish us and challenge us. And then we are sent out in response to what we have heard and experienced. Once we have received the grace of God through the bread of life and the cup of salvation, Christ asks us, have all been fed? Our response to worship is to be sent out into the world to do the work of sharing God's love and justice so that one day we can respond, yes, Lord, no one is hungry. All have been fed. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
on our podcast or through our YouTube playlist of sermons, be sure to forward this message to someone who you believe is seeking God's word today.